It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of the Locked On Reds podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Head on over to BuiltBar.com and enter the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll save 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com and the promo code LOCKED15. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, Reds fans? It is opening day week here on the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. On today's show, we have Shreeder Papu, the man who wrote the essay previewing the Cincinnati Reds and baseball prospectus for this season. He also wrote the book, The Year of the Pitcher, and more importantly, he wrote the Joey Votto essay for the Atlantic, the brainiest hitter, and how Joey Votto is trying to beat age. We're going to talk with Schreeder here in just a minute. Before we jump into all of that, though, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all the many podcasting platforms. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and follow the show at Lockdown Reds and save the Lockdown Reds line number into your phone. We will take some calls, reactions, comments, questions, whatever you've got this Friday the day after opening day. So get your calls in 513-549-0159. All right, without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Schreeder Papu. I want to start because, uh, you, like I mentioned, with the Atlantic article and then also with baseball perspectives, you've written quite a bit about the Reds. What has gotten you onto this team? Because I know when it comes to a national audience, they're a little bit of a forgotten brand because they themselves haven't been that successful in recent years. So what got you onto the Reds? Oh, I mean, well, I grew up in Oxford, Ohio, so um, yeah. Um, and was given a hand-knit Cincinnati Reds uh, sweater when I was born. So nice. um, to say, you know, I've, been, I've basically been on the Reds for, you know, well, 45 years. And so, yeah. And then, you know, I, I've made this comment before, but, you know, when you grew up in Southwest Ohio, you know the grade eight before, the name's the grade eight before you can even walk. And so <laughs> I, I still think that's kind of true. And, you know, and I've been fortunate um, these past couple of years, um, first write about Joey and then, you know, the people at the perspectives being nice enough to let me write the opening essay. And so, um, yeah. Um, and yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so basically what you're saying is you're stuck in the same spot as me as you were born into a family that loves the reds. And now you just can't figure out why on earth you got stuck with this. No, I'm kidding. It's that the history of the reds has always been fantastic. And we're hoping that here soon, they're going to be making some more history of themselves. Before we jump into what your thoughts are with the Reds heading into 2021, though, I wanted to talk a little bit about that article because it was an amazing look at Joey Votto. I'm a huge Joey Votto fan myself. I've always been a, a stan for Joseph Daniel and uh, really loved everything about that article in The Atlantic. What was it like getting to know him a little bit more than just being a fan? So I have said this to a lot of people, um, and, you know, I mean, the, the title of the article is the brainiest hitter, you know, can Joey Votto outsmart age. And I will, and I'll stand by this. I mean, Joey's one, and I've been a journalist since I was 19. Joey is one of the smartest people I've ever been around, not baseball players, people. I mean, I covered the 2008 presidential campaign. I've been around Obama. It's not, <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> 
it's kind of it's in that orbit. It's Obama so, and Joey Votto, and there's a handful of other people. And it was just an absolute joy to spend time talking with him about um, I about the game, about hitting, about you know everything. You know, I came away with it um, with a completely different understanding or greater understanding of um, of baseball in the modern age. And it was just it was just an absolute thrill. I mean. Um, uh, other other people have had that 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 pleasure, and you know, uh, it's it, you're just really fortunate to, to to get it. I know any little bit of like a Zoom interview or some kind of press conference where a reporter gets him on the subject of hitting, whether it be you know strike zones or different things like that. I always feel like I am listening to somebody who may as well have invented the art itself, and. I, I've never, I've never thought that that was overly biased or anything. I thought that was just truth, and and I think most other fans of other teams see that when it comes to Joey Votto. Why do you think Reds fans are so critical of him? I mean, I don't think all Reds fans are critical of him. I think there is a certain percentage. Um, you know, you know. I mean, this might seem like a weird comparison, but you know, as a child of the '80s, and you know, those '80 those those late eighties teams that's, that were always on the rise. They're never quite close. You know, finally went in 90, um, you know, people, you know, sort of took to Eric Davis a lot too. Mm-hmm. And in kind of a sort of way, it's like, well, he should be doing more. He should be Willie Mays. He should be this. And now, you know, we view it differently. I mean, I think that, um, some fans don't understand, you know, want the game to be like it was in 1970 or value the same sort of statistics. It was in the the 80s and whatever. And there is a, you know, I would encourage any of your listeners to go and read uh, Tom Bergucci's uh, piece about baseball and the pace of play and about, you know, where we are as a game because there's there's an argument to go for wanting to go back to certain things. But to understand how good he is in this era, you know, it's hard to, it's somehow hard to, you know, pick up sometimes. And when you have an announcer on the radio saying, you know, we, you know, he's not going to get anywhere. The team's not going to get anywhere by him leading the league and on base percentage. It doesn't really help matters, right? And so, <laughs> right. Um, you know, and but I think a large segment of, of Reds fans really love him. And so, um, it's just, and I mean, and also part of it too is you know he doesn't. I mean, he's a super generous guy. He's great with writers and spending time. But I mean, as you read in the article, and if you listen to one of his his podcasts with Jim Day, I mean, he's a monk. I mean, mm-hmm. when the season starts, it just, I mean, he's actually in the, even the middle of spring training, which is why the COVID thing was, you know, sort of a red flag for all of us. Right. Because, um, um, you know, that, you know, that they contracted it because he literally will say, um, okay, I'm, I'm just sort of closing myself off basically to his family, to his friends, just so he can focus. And so, I mean, even him talking about his day, I mean, he won't read a news. He he gets a newspaper, but he won't read it until like the end of the week, um, because he doesn't want his brain, you know, sort of not being, you know, sort of old, really stimulized. I mean, um, the funniest thing we, we were talking about, as you know, we're sitting in the, the locker room and our at least our on our in person conversation. He said, you know, um, well, you know, um, yesterday I was at Whole Foods. And I said, okay, uh, we're gonna have a great season, and I'm I'm gonna locked in. So he's, I'm going to get a beer. It was three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm going to get a beer. And that was it. <laughs> that was how, that was like as much fun as he's going to have. And so when you have someone like that, he's so dedicated and so focused, 
you know, maybe sometimes it's, it's hard to sort of pick up. I mean, um, but, um, and, you know, um, and, and to those Reds fans who don't, who are critical of them, I, I sometimes ask why, I mean, what has he ever not done that wasn't great? So, yeah. No, and I I agree with you, and I think my point of view might be a little bit skewed because maybe I'm on Twitter a little bit too much, and I answer calls at a radio station, so you typically get all of the really happy people that call there. But uh, no, I I agree, and and honestly, um, I always think whenever I'm watching through The Office and there's that scene where Dwight says, you couldn't handle my undivided attention, Joey Votto's one of the first (laughs) people that I think of when I think of that, because I'm just like, that is why he was such a good hit and still has the chance to at least battle age because you know people always say that father time is undefeated but Joey's gonna try and win that fight even if he knows that he's fighting a losing battle and we've got some more Joey talk coming up here in just a minute we're also going to dive into a bit about Joe Morgan the subject of Schreeder's essay in the baseball prospectus for 2021 but before we get into that I wanted to let you know if you think that this line the Reds making the playoffs at plus 170, meaning it's a value. If you want to take that today, head on over to betonline.ag and put a couple of bucks down on that line. Plus 170 means if you put $10 on it, you'll win $17 on top of that if the Reds make the playoffs. And in order to set up your account today at betonline.ag, go there right now and type in the promo code LOCKED ON to get 50% more added to your initial deposit. BetOnline.ag has all of the best lines, whether you're talking about basketball, golf, baseball, UFC fighting, all of that good stuff. It's all on BetOnline.ag, and you can make some money off of your sports knowledge. There's all kinds of great baseball prop bets going up right now with the preseason. Just a few more days until opening day to take advantage of those futures so jump on today betonline.ag and the promo code locked on when you set up your account to get 50% more added onto your initial deposit and when you're done listening to my chat with Shreeder Papu about the Reds today, check out the Locked On Today podcast that brings you the biggest news in sports Every single day. Hosted by Peter Bukowski, Locked On Today takes a look around every single sport and brings you exactly what you need to know. Check out the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And I just, I'm really rooting for him. I think that his batting stance changes at least open up the possibility of him at least having some sort of career renaissance at the plate. Would you think that that's right? I know that he talked about this offseason wanting to hit dumber, which I think for him is just the regular side of things. Well, I think he said that two years ago to to Trent Rosencrantz when he was in the slums. Um, But, you know, it's so funny because his swing is so um, calculated. You know, I mean, it is just, I mean, it's been refined down to this absolute science and then, when I saw him standing up straight, I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and then <laughs> right. you know, I was talking to I was talking to a colleague at the Atlantic, and I told him, "Like, well, he's sort of standing up again." I'm like, "Like, no, no, it was so perfect." <laughs> so, um, you know, I don't know what the results will be. Um, I know he wants to sacrifice some things for power, but look, I mean, clearly, I mean, Joey Votto getting benched last year, and you know, things just weren't working. And so, if ever there was a guy that was, you know, to tinker and to try and figure out stuff. I mean, it's him, and I don't think there's anyone that I could that I don't think that, that could do it. You know, I mean, um, you know, I was thinking about this the other day in terms of 
you know, swings that age. Yeah, because, mm-hmm. you know, in, in particular, Ken Griffey Jr.'s swing when he came over to the Reds. I mean, he was, at that time, 30, was in the prime, right? But, you know, and a lot of stuff happened with Jr. And I think, honestly, I think um, we need a reevaluation of Jr.'s time with the Reds because I know people think it was some sort of massive failure. Yeah. But honestly, I, I just hope that people will just come and respect him, you know, for what he did and, and for coming back. But, you know, that swing was not going to age well, you know? Right. And, um, and he couldn't change it. And so now that I think about it, it's like they um, – and so with a guy like Vado, who is, you know, managed to change the swing, managed to do this, has never been reliant on, you know, that – I mean, I mean, he talks about other people's swings as, you know, being sexy, right? I mean, the, you know, the, the guys, you know, walking off and, and bat flipping and all that kind of stuff and, you know, just having that thing. And he was, he's never going to be a sexy uh, batting stance. So, um, you know, when we talk about the trifecta of, you know, the smartest hitters being Ted Williams, Tony Gwynn and, and Joey Votto, they all have one thing sort of in common is that they're able to sort of, they were at certain points in their career basically able to fundamentally change their game you know, from various points in their career. I mean, you know, Tony Gwynn at, you know, 24 is not Tony Gwynn at, you know, um, in his mid-30s, and yet he's still producing, right? And so, right. because they were constantly evolving, even, even you know, Ted Williams, who lost so much time, you know, fighting in two wars. And so, um, I mean, that's what makes them so great. And so, I mean, you know, I have, um, I mean, obviously from a, uh, I'm not biased and, and wanting him to, you know, be great again and um, and be and have Joey be Joey, but you know, I I think he can do it, and you know, um, um, and I hope he does. I mean, um, just because it's it's just so great having a, a craftsman like that on your ball on your on your ball club and and watching, you know, him. You know, I'm I'm cribbing from uh, George Wilhair, but you know, literally a man at work, and it's it's. I mean, he's great. Absolutely. And, and and pivoting from one great Joe to another, in your essay on the Baseball Prospectus book for 2021, you talked a lot about Joe Morgan and what he meant to the great eight coming over and being kind of one of the best players that the Reds have ever had in franchise history. What led you to make that connection for this year's essay? Well, I mean, obviously his passing um, was a moment a selling moment for this franchise and, you know, yeah. for baseball history and in a year where we lost so many Hall of Famers. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about Morgan, um, you know, after his, his death and, um, and, you know, people also, you know, people often forget about the trade that brought him here from Houston mm-hmm. because it was so, um, it was just, I mean, people thought it was an abomination. It was mm-hmm. just, I mean, because you were giving, you were giving away, Lee May and um, and Tommy Helms. Tommy Helms had been who's a Gold uh, Glove second baseman and had been Rookie of the Year. And you get these guys back, and Joe Morgan had you know was um you know some malcontent you know dude. And you know of course you get you know Cesar Adronimo and Jack Billingham <laughs> along with it, right? <laughs> and so I mean, but you know Joe Morgan Houston was not Joe Morgan Cincinnati, and um, and but I, I I brought it up, and then. You know, the, the player that he turned into was, you know, I mean, pretty, in those seasons with the Big Red Machine um, were statistically the the best baseball seasons almost ever, right? I mean, they were just so complete and so amazing. And he was, you know, he was the guy that um, that could take that team, you know, to where they needed to be, I mean, um, to use, uh, to be cliche about it. But, you know, I, 
I brought it up in the essay because it was such a bold move on Bob Housen's part. I mean, he was taking it part of team. Um, they were sort of disassembling a team that, you know, gone to a world series in 1970 had slipped in 1971 and he had seen a deficiency, um, in that team. And he thought he was just bringing over a speedster. Right. And, right. and instead he gets, he gets this, he gets something that, you know, was, has been seen on a second baseman, you know, a handful of times in, in this game's history. And so, you know, I, I just and I wanted to link it to sort of the Reds' present in terms of, you know, this idea of, of needing for bold action in order for the Reds to sort of um, compete and win um, going forward, and you know, and not you know being conventional and how you think. I mean, another reason I, I brought it up too is um, because in, in the I talk about the Red season, um, which you know was not fun. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no. You know, they made, look, they made the playoffs, but and. They'll even though submit. I mean, we, we've seen a spring training where they talk about, you know, not trying to hit the ball, the ballpark, hitting line drives, putting balls in play, um, and it it kind of goes back to, um, you know, I don't think you can quantify fun, but even watching that watching that team for sixty games last year was could be excruciating, right? I mean, yeah. um, the sort of the three true outcome they were the ultimate three true outcome team besides Tampa Bay, except you know Tampa Bay's worked and i think we would be <laughs> we would say oh the, the, the tto is great you know we if, if they got in the world series possibly won it but you know for this team um just watching them and it was almost like watching the microscosm of you know baseball's problems in terms of um everything that's going that's happened in this game and and a lot of it has you know a lot of the things that are been talked about in this offseason and in the previous seasons are things that Morgan warned us about, you know, I mean, and he was sort of shut aside in terms of, you know, um, you know, speed going away from the game, this happening, the lack of Af- Af- the increasing um, and disturbing lack of African-American participation. And right. so, um, yeah. So, you know, I wanted to touch both on his career and his legacy and what he meant to the team and also using it to reflect on a season that, you know, while we should have been happy, I mean, getting to those playoffs you know it like okay you know and you know joey's saying we're gonna be effing dangerous i'm like okay <laughs> I, I, okay you know i i want to believe you and then yeah. it's like yeah I, I could see that happening right <laughs> so, um but um, yeah yeah and, yeah and it and it's funny though i mean also it's like you know joe morgan who um was you know sabermetrics um quote unquote you know greatest critic uh, was the ultimate uh, sabermetric player. <laughs> so, right. I always found that pretty amusing. Yeah, he was always super high on the OPS scale and his wins above replacement or tops. As far as like yeah. different seasons that he's had, they're like the best seasons that Reds have ever had, singular Reds players. When you look at the philosophy, because you're right, it, that's what we've heard all season, whether it be from the hitting coaches, whether it be from the main guys in the lineup, on down to guys who are just trying to make the bench. Do you think that the change in philosophy coupled with, and as much as we hated it and we rolled our eyes whenever we talked about it last season, but there was something to it, their bad luck when it came to Babbitt, do you think that's going to be enough for this lineup to bounce back? I mean, I hope so. I mean, Trent, uh, see Trent, um, Rosencrantz made a, had a good piece, um, you know, when things were really, really bad and, um, and talking about, you know, it's not like calling plays in football, right? If something's not working, it's like, oh, we're going to run, the running game. If right. you're hitting philosophy and you're just hitting is based on this, 
it's very hard to get out of. And, you know, I'm glad they're playing lip service to it. I mean, we'll see if they can actually implement it. I mean, so far it, it seems to be working. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would hope so. I mean, it is, um, I mean, you know, it was just, uh, uh, and I bring this up because, you know, I essentially am on a 10 year long text chain with my friends, Brian Lynn and Joe Squance, um, back in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And I think at one point I texted them during some game and maybe even Shogo got a double, but I remember saying, Oh my God, it's a double. It's a base hit. <laughs> like, and not that home runs, you know, and, and, um, yeah. And also, you know, the diversity of offense, um, allows you to do a lot more, uh, different things. And I would, I would hope that, you know, I mean, everyone has said it, you know, everyone has said that they need to do this. And I, I hope that, you know, somehow you know, they're able to, you know, uh, put this in motion. Coming up, I ask Schreeder who the best bat and the best pitcher on the Reds will be this season. Also get his take on what the biggest strength is in the Reds organization. We get into all that here in just a minute, but right now let's take a snack break. Grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and that is Built Bar. They've got a couple of amazing flavors that they just came out with that you need to try. Birthday cake with sprinkles and white chocolate raspberry cheesecake. It's a mouthful and it's a mouthful when you take a bite too. Very tasty, very amazing flavors, and they're good for you as well. And today, you can try them at a discount. Head on over to BuiltBar.com and type in the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. Built Bar has all of the amazing statistics to go along with their great taste. We're talking like 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of fat, and up to 17 grams of protein in some of these bars. Check them out today, BuiltBar.com. And enter the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com and the promo code LOCKED15. The Locked On MLB Division Preview Series continues on Locked On MLB Today. Every episode from now until the 31st features in-depth looks at each team in each division. It's all on Locked On MLB Podcast feed right now. Follow the Locked On MLB Podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep trying to think of some way of like making it into a motto like, Chick stick the long ball, but stringing hits together chases pitches <laughs> yeah. or something like it chases pitches. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's it's in the development stages. Um, yeah. <laughs> Bob Castellini gave Paul Doggerty an interview the other day, and in that interview, yeah. a lot of it was kind of what you would expect from an owner talking about money and things like that. Answer is in your best estimation. What do you think of the question? How close are the Reds? So winning a world series, you know, I feel like three months ago, I would say, I don't know. I was, I was probably a lot more optimistic than I am, you know, sitting here today. It yeah. has nothing to do with the spring training record. And I really hope that people on Twitter understand that, you know, um, I think a lot of people on Twitter who complain about spring training, um, uh, wins and losses have never actually been to a spring training game. <laughs> so, um, yes. But, you know, I mean, you know, I, I can't really answer that because, I mean, you know, if the deadline, I mean, this division is terrible, right? Yes. And if the deadline, they're close. Do we go, do they go out and, you know, trade their, you know, um, chips for that extra piece um, here and there? 
you know, I don't know, I don't know if they have faith enough to do that, you know? And so, um, um, I, I definitely had, I mean, had last year's team play together for 162 games. It would have been great, but I think those, those same flaws that we saw, um, uh, played out would have, would have, uh, been there as well. So okay. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, again, two months ago, I would said, of course you're going to win the division. Of course this. I'm like, you know, now I'm like, okay, they could possibly make a run if everything breaks right. But in the meanwhile, the rest of the National League has become very, very good. I mean, starting with San Diego and, of course, Los Angeles and then, you know, out east with the Mets. And, and I mean, I mean, the Mets might very well finish third with the roster they have in, in the AL East. I mean, it's crazy how good, you know, teams around this, um, this league are. And I don't know if the Reds are, are, are there. What do you perceive as their biggest strength this year? Derek Johnson. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, I was, um, you know, I, I mean, my faith in that man and his ability to sort of um, bring along people and, and, um, and make sure that, you know, things get better um, is, is just, um, it's just remarkable. I mean, um, what he, what we've seen in the, in the progress with certain pitchers, the development of people is just, you know, is absolutely astounding. And so, um, there's a reason why he's paid that much money. And I hope that, you know, he gets, um, that, you know, he's here for the long haul. I don't know what that means, but d- definitely it's like, I mean, in the, in the mid nineties and early two thousands, when the Reds had Don Gull as their pitching coach and he was given a lot, stuff, you know, a lot less talent, but he managed to, you know, turn Pete Harnish into an ace and, and uh, right. Pete Shurik in a 20 game winner. And so, but, you know, Derek Johnson isn't a level above, you know, anyone and the people at drive line working with, with the Reds, you know, um, I mean, the results speak for themselves. And so, I mean, him being there and having, you know, a group of pitchers that have bought into that system. I mean, I think that's, um, that's their biggest advantage because, you know, um, when they traded, you know, Iglesias and let go of um, Archie Bradley and all this kinds of stuff, I was not upset by it. I mean, I wish we had gotten more for Iglesias, mm-hmm. but that just shows you the return, um, um, or the, the return you get for closures these days. I mean, you're just not going to get very much, but I wasn't broken up by it. You know, I mean, um, mainly because uh, that bullpen is stacked and also like, I just had faith. I have faith enough in them, you know, that, you know, that on a night in night out basis, that pitching staff is going to, um, be competitive. I mean, I mean, the hitting is, I mean, it's still going to be there. Those questions are still going to be there, which is insane to think about. I mean, given, you know, the trajectory of this team, you know, from 2014 through, you know, um, uh, 18, that like that would be the one, the major deficiency that we think about. And that's the one thing too. It's like anybody that the Reds sign that plays on the mound, whether he be a reliever, a starter, a righty or a lefty. And whether we know the name or whether we've never heard his name from Adam, like, some guy named Jimbo comes up in here or something, but if he's a pitcher, we're like, well, Derek Johnson might turn him into something. So let's let's see what happens. So I, I'm totally with you. I mean, Derek Johnson. I've been saying it. He's a wizard, and uh, I don't know that there's any proof against that. Uh, when yeah. I when I look at this season, obviously the biggest question mark is um, the hitting. Will it bounce back? But there's also kind of a question mark around fielding. How 
big of a factor? How how much of a worry is it for you? I know now with the shift being employed in different ways and different strategies, it can be minimalized. Or how much of a black mark is it for you when you look at the Reds this season? I mean, I think we can all think back. I mean, one of the more notable, there are two defensive plays I remember um, from last season. One was Shogo's amazing catch up against yes. the fence. Um, and the other is Nick Castellanos early in the season, somehow circling around a ball that went over his head. And so um, I know he's worked on his defense and, um, and hopefully he's gotten better, but, you know, particularly on an infield. I mean, I'm glad that Jonathan India is in the lineup. I mean, he, yes. I mean, I mean, as much as I, um, I say, you know, spring training doesn't matter. I mean, for a kid like that to sort of come from where he was, you know, and, 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 you know, possibly be what, I mean, actually I, I anticipate his rookie season more than, more so than I did Nick Senzel for, I mean, whatever reason, but you know, you know, when you have your starting short, uh, third baseman become your shortstop, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, there is a, there is a moment and, you know, I mean, and Nick Senzel is a great athlete and, but, you know, and I'm, he's a very good center fielder, but is he, a, you know, he's not a true center fielder. And so, you know, there are all these things um, that are going on. And so, you know, I mean, the question is, I mean, and I think um, someone at MLB.com had an article that said, well, here's how Suarez could work at shortstop. And they, they, and again, with shifts and this and that, you know, but you don't want, you don't want to hide defenders, right? You right. want, you, you, you never want the question, like when a ball is hit on the ground, a question of it, you know, being an out at first base, like, and you know, Look, in Cincinnati, we had two shortstops for 35 years, like, <laughs> and we got spoiled, right? Yes. And so, and, and then even in this uh, last stretch, when you had Brandon Phillips and you know shortstop of your choice at at um, at second and short, you just kind of didn't worry about stuff. And mm-hmm. so, and now we're in a position where you know, um, and I would never compare this team to. I mean, this this was a team that once fielded Edwin and Carcion and Felipe Lopez at, at third base and shortstop. And I would just, I would just wait for balls to just go flying into Northern Kentucky um, during that period um, or double plays just to go, you know, um, go awry in, in, in various comic ways. But, you know, I, you know, it, the, the kind of thing, but I'm also not comfortable with, in fact, I'm never comfortable with ifs. Like, well, if they can do this, if that, if that, it's like, you know, and not have it say, well, they're strong defensively. And, you know, I mean, I mean, who knows? But again, like you said, with shifting with, you know, how baseball is played now, you can, you can sometimes minimize for those mistakes. And the very thing that we talked about, right? I mean, the lack of balls in play being a problem mm-hmm. for baseball is kind of a strength for a team that is struggling defensively or is not, is not, has like, you know, players playing out of position. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, the thing that gives me optimism overall is that, you know, when I think about the division, you know, everyone's point is already anointed the, uh, the Cardinals, which is fine because they have a way of doing that. But, you know, they have their weaknesses and, and, the, and the Cubs have shown where they're going. And um, if anything, it's like I'm I'm always it's funny. I, I've been uh, and I think I'm probably stealing this from someone, either Jeff Brantley or Brian Kenny or somebody. But, you know, the Milwaukee Brewers are sort of a model franchise, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they never really tear down. And it seems like their baseline philosophy to put out at minimum an 81 team. And, you know, 
depending and putting together players to make a run. And if it's not working, okay, trade people. But if it is working, get another uh, group. And I feel like it sounds weird for the Brewers to be a model franchise, but I kind of like that philosophy. And I wish that the Reds were recording more like them in that regard. And so, um, but getting back to your question defensively, it's like, yeah, again, like I don't want to be in, like, I feel uneasy going into a season where I'm like, okay, well, if everything goes right, I'm like, well, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I, you know, because invariably when, when, you know, you have that, you have that if your answer, the answer um, becomes um, evident uh, very early on. So. When we are at the end of 2021, the the season and stuff, which obviously we're just about to start, so I don't really want to think about the end too much, but looking back on this season that will be, who will be the Reds' best bat and who will be the Reds' best arm? Um, Pitch, I'll say... Wise. I will, in terms of, I think Nick Castellanos is definitely due for a comeback year. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I do think Joey will have a comeback here. And um, in, I think you've pointed out before, I mean, it won't be Joey of 2017. But, right. but you know, and also, I mean, Nick Castellanos' contract is basically a year-to-year thing, right, with his option. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, neither side was happy. So I can, I, you know, I mean, um, so I can definitely see him being, you know, the best uh, hitter in the Reds lineup. In terms of pitching, and people are going to, I mean, I don't know whether I've drank the Kool-Aid, but I think, you know, TJ Anton would be like, nice. would be like the most valuable pitcher because, you know, I, I have no doubt that Sonny and Luis Castillo are going to have great seasons. But I feel like somebody like that, who seems kind of like a revolutionary player, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, or maybe a new breed of pitchers that, you know, longer relievers, you know, whereas in the past, longer relievers were just sort of, you know, mop-up men. But to have a guy that you can depend on for long innings and then also, you know, plug in your starting rotation. Um, and it seems like they have all sorts of plans for him. I mean, if not the best arm, I think he's the most interesting uh, pitching story of the season. I'm looking forward to it. It is going to be an amazing season. And Schreeder, I thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I know, like in baseball prospectus, you had the essay, you had the article last season about Joey Votto. Uh, what do you got coming out soon, whether it be baseball related or otherwise? Uh, I'm working on a book project that, you know, um, like I said, I've said, told people, it's like I'm trying to put 2020 gold into, into uh, uh, 2021, uh, 2021 practice. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hey, I, I like it, Shreeder. Shreeder, thank you so much for joining us today. He is Shreeder Papu, and you can read his stuff at The Atlantic. I, I tweeted the article for Joey. Uh, you've got the baseball prospectus book, and you've got the book, The Year of the pitcher. Thank you so much for joining me today, Schreeder, and we hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me. Great. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.